Welcome to the first episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One, the podcast for freelancers tackling the issues that they face, 99 problems, one at a time. I'm Katie Carlisle and I'm one of your hosts. I run my business The Wheel Exists, which provides Squarespace websites and training, and I also run a pop-up co-working community for freelancers called Freelance Folk. Hi, my name's Michelle Pratt. Uh, my business is Dive Deeper Development and I'm a business trainer and personal development coach. And in today's podcast, we're going to discuss the issue of imposter syndrome, which I think is something that most people have when they go freelance or self-employed. Um, so we, we should probably start talking about what is it to begin with. So Katie, you invented it, didn't you? <laughs> I, I really thought I did. Yeah. So when I was first starting out, I experienced imposter syndrome and I was doing a talk uh, not that long into my freelancing. And I came up with what I thought was this really amazing original term to explain this feeling of feeling like a fraud and then discovered obviously a little bit later that that term is actually really widely used, but I was really proud of myself for coming up with it. (laughs) And so for me, yeah, imposter syndrome is basically the feeling that you're going to get found out as being not good enough or a fraud, especially around the work you do, but actually applies in personal life as well beyond work. And it doesn't just have to be for freelancers. But I think it's much more common in freelancers. And that's something that we're going to look at why that is in this podcast as well. So that's what I would say was, Michelle, have you got anything to add to that? Yeah, yeah, probably. Just I think that's exactly it. Just feeling like a fraud, basically, yeah. is, is that in a nutshell. Like you say, I think that can happen to anyone. I felt like a fraud the first time I was given the title of manager. But I think with the freelancers especially, I remember going to networking events saying what I did for a living and feeling fake even though I've been doing it for years so yeah it's it's quite common so anything that makes you feel like a fraud I think yeah it's a a funny one so is that something you experienced when you first started out on your own yeah absolutely so my background's working in charities and non-profits I haven't got a background in web design or development at all and I kind of almost fell into it by accident Um, I had done a little bit I'd created some kind of microsites for my kind of non-profit job for little campaigns that we were doing and I wasn't originally going to do that when I went freelance but I just happened to make a couple of sites for people and made my own site and it spiraled from there so all of a sudden without really intending to do it I was ha- I was kind of having to select myself from the drop down box of website designer and I was just I did not feel like a website designer at all you so feel I a bit of a fake yeah yeah so I use a tool called Squarespace which you might have heard of um, ironically, they don't sponsor this podcast. They do sponsor a lot of podcasts. Maybe. But in the future, <laughs> goals. Um, which is very much around building something using a template-based site, but you can customise it a lot. But you don't need to use any code. Um, and so I was you know, able to create these sites without knowing any kind of website code. But I was terrified for every client I took on that they'd ask me to do something that you couldn't do within the Squarespace template and I'd have to confess to them that actually I wasn't a real web developer at all and that I would you know, probably just almost try and throw the money back at them and give them a full refund to say, I'm sorry I led you on and I feel really guilty for doing this terrible thing. And actually no one really ever asked me about it because I was able to give them what they wanted within, because I'd been really upfront with them in the first place about what Squarespace was. No yeah, one really yeah. asked me about it. But that haunted me for a really long time, like a year, I'd say, my first year of freelancing. I was just terrified when I met new people, I'd kind of shy away from saying, oh, I'm a website expert or anything like that, because I didn't feel like I'd had any formal training or experience in it, and therefore it wasn't me somehow. 
Yeah, did I do when you went to like networking events where you met other website developers? Were you a bit worried about getting technical questions? Oh, I both. I would lead by saying, "I'm sorry, I'm not a real coder." I'd like put up this big thing, and like they didn't really care. But I'd be like, "Oh no, no, don't talk to me. I'm not a real coder. You probably don't want to talk to me." And I would be. I'd lead with that. So I'd lead with my kind of go on the front foot. Yeah, yeah, with you know my perceived weakness and. And yeah, it just, it was so, it was so weird. What impact did that have? Did that like put people off? I think probably in a networking sense, I wasn't really doing myself justice because I wasn't focusing on what I could offer. I was focusing on what I couldn't offer, especially talking to other technical people. And actually what I've discovered since then is that, you know, I've got quite a lot of web developer and web designer friends now, and we all tend to refer work to each other. So if there's a project that's a bit too big for, uh, a bit too small rather for an agency then they'll refer it to me because something like Squarespace is much more suitable for a smaller budget or a you know a smaller project and so actually it would have been really strategic to make friends with a lot of those people but I I deliberately didn't go to any tech meetups even though I'm, I love technology I'm a massive geek I love loads of stuff about technology and I'm sure I could have met some really like-minded people I shied away from going to those tech meetups because I didn't want anybody to yeah be kind of annoyed that I was using their title without being legitimate that's how it felt it was yeah. really strange weird there's a weird idea of what we think a website developer is I yeah suppose. yeah exactly yeah. it's slightly different to it because I I think you, you did something where you say oh we didn't have that background or I didn't have that coding knowledge or qualification I I, I have qualifications and I have that experience so I've got like had so a, you done a lot of training and coaching and stuff I've done it been doing it for yeah. well over a decade and done it um you know I had actually had on paper qualifications also had lots of other in-house qualifications and I, I you know I was used to doing cons- being a consultant and going into businesses albeit for a large company a global company but going into businesses consulting with the business directors and you know hundred hundred thousand pound budget worked on a million pound project I would be on the hook for making sure the delivery of that was you know that project got landed and wouldn't have a problem and I could be that paid thousands of pounds for it yet the minute I was doing that with my name above the door as opposed to a company's name above the door I felt like a fraud and it's not like I was saying I could do something that I couldn't I, I had a proven track record just but when it was for me and my business it felt I felt like a fake it was yeah and what do you have any ideas about why that was I think there was a bit of a difference when you are doing something for you I think when you're doing it for a business you're doing it for someone else um I think probably two things one when you do it for you your it is your name so I think that starts to hit on your self-esteem a bit like am I worth it so you're paying me as part of this organization but actually to charge me I think it I think it hits your self-esteem so it's more of a direct link between you 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 and are your business work. I like yeah. to keep those really separate I think part of it is it you're on your own as well isn't it so like when you're in a business there are other people to um, carry the, the responsibility but also to carry the success which was never a problem I think that is just that psychologically moving from a, a business doing it on the behalf of a business felt legit doing it just for me somehow didn't feel legit and I felt like a bit of a fraud and I suppose in a business as well you've got people who are telling you if you're doing a good job yeah that's true actually and so you almost don't need to believe it yourself because somebody else is telling you you know you have performance reviews and all the things that you just don't get as a freelancer you know you, as a freelancer you don't have a line manager or or you know m- many kind of targets unless you set them for yourself or work with 
you know, someone like yourself, Michelle, work with someone as a business coach. Um, so, you know, I've really enjoyed working with you as, you know, having you as my coach because it's helped me to get clear on targets and strategies and stuff. But as a freelancer, you don't really have that if you're by yourself. And so you have to tell yourself you've done a good job, which is really hard. Yeah, and most people like put themselves kind of last or put themselves lower down other things. They make it maybe a business a higher, other people's business a higher priority. So yeah, it does. And I think that, like you say, it stops you putting yourself out there, doesn't it? You sell yourself short. So you don't shout what you can do from the rooftops. You probably put off decisions, like you were saying, putting off collaborations with people yeah, or absolutely. networks yeah. so I think you set the bar low I mean I, I really had imposter syndrome the first time I became a manager and my aim was to not be as bad as the last manager <laughs> and that was way that, too aim high Michelle that was where I <laughs> because he wasn't very popular with the team and so what happened was um, I set about uh, I'm just not I'm going to put everything right I'm not going to do what that last manager did and within about three or four months I'd done it and I thought Phew, I've aimed really low here. I maybe <laughs> want to like think about my standards, how to aim a little bit higher. So you can really slow your progress and put yourself back if you if you allow yourself to stay in it too long. Sooner or later, I think you've got to get to the point where you're you're maybe believing in yourself a bit more. Yeah, because it has a big impact, doesn't it? You know, having that imposter syndrome has a big impact, not just with you know, not not just with talking to people at networking events, but even just with how you sell yourself and how much you're willing to charge for your services, you know, the and that's obviously your bread and butter as a freelancer is how much you're willing to sell yourself or your products for. And if you don't have that confidence in them, it's probably going to be harder for other people to have that confidence yeah. too. And it's mad as well because when I when I consult for myself, you're talking smaller projects, lower stakes, lower value, there's less risk and that's well within my capability but I'm still quite nervous of it, despite the fact I've worked on higher value, higher profile, higher risk projects, without even thinking about it, you know. So yeah, yeah definitely sell yourself short. And you know, not to kind of make massive sweeping generalisations, but I do think it's something that affects women a bit more as well. So I was involved in an International Women's Day discussion panel where we were talking about the gender pay gap in freelancing, and imposter syndrome came up a lot there, and people feeling, oh yeah, you know, that's something that I don't feel... I think it is experienced by everyone, but I think especially women just seem to to doubt themselves more somehow. And you're not supposed to really put yourself out there as a woman, are you? Yeah. There's always the, that fine line, the risk is going to be considered too bullshit. Yeah, too, too pushy. or cheek, Cheeky is a word that comes up all the time. When I'm talking to people about pricing and they're saying, oh, you know, so we, we've got a kind of little group of freelancers, we have a little WhatsApp group together, and people say, oh, I've got to pitch for this. Do you think it's too cheeky to pitch for this amount? And it's like, even if you're willing to put yourself out there for an amount, it's still, you don't quite, you're worried about the perception of somebody else. So I think that's probably tied to imposter syndrome too. Yeah, I think so, a little bit, yeah. Um, so how how did you manage to kind of, well, firstly, have you kind of pushed through with the imposter syndrome? And if so, how have you done it, Michelle? I, I, you know, I had an imposter syndrome at one point where I went to be a chair of a committee. And... Um, I, I had been elected into that position, so people wanted me there. I'd set my stall out and they'd voted for me for that very purpose. But because my predecessor was so popular and was someone who I absolutely idolised, I was like, yeah, I look up to her, I want to be Emma. She, she, I'd, I, I didn't take on that role, I didn't take on that responsibility. I thought, oh, when she leaves, I'll step into her shoes. But actually what she wanted me to do was to, to, for me to shadow her, or for her to shadow me. So I took on that role by surprise three months earlier than I really wanted to 
and I had a bit of a panic and I was like, no, 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 I, I'll put off decisions. I won't do it. I'm not really the chairperson. I'll wait till Emma goes. And the thing that helped me push through it, I think, was when I um, I, just, I had a word with myself. I think yeah. <laughs> You sit yourself down and have a little chat I with yourself. I caught myself doing it. I caught myself saying, no, 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 I'm not really the chairperson yet. It's not not really me. That people will find out sooner or later. And then I think they got to a point that's like, I'm, I'm not making decisions. I might only be in this role for 12 months. I'm going to waste three of them at this rate. I can't keep doing it. So I sat down and thought, look, do I have the, the capability to do this? Yes, I do. Do I have a vision for what should be done? Absolutely. Do I have a set of values around what I need to do? Yes, I do. Is anyone out there more passionate and more focused on this than I am? No, they're not. So am I the chairperson? Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Right. Step up to the plate and start taking responsibility and do it. So sometimes I think stepping back maybe talking to other people or composing yourself, I think, and, and just focusing on, 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 you know, go back to basics, what, focus on what you can really do. I think that definitely, definitely helps. And it sounds like you also thought about what you might lose if you were to continue in the same way. So yeah. if you were going to continue to let the imposter syndrome control you, you were looking at what opportunities you might miss out on. And I guess that's probably quite motivating to think that, you know, especially if you want to do a good job, you don't want to miss out on being able to make an impact or to miss out on an opportunity because of that and was that part of the motivation as well do you think yeah definitely I think I, I was worried yeah that I was going to let people down and not do it so that sense of time was definitely a yeah. factor yeah sure I think I think that one got me by surprise just because um I think I was the kind of thrust into the role which I'd applied for and I, I was kind of you know I'd chosen it and I was really excited about it but the problem was that i I, they, someone asked me to step into it three months early and I think I'd, I'd envisioned um, having a little bit longer to psych myself up for it. Yeah, like and an I, induction period almost. Yeah, and I was like, oh, but I'm not ready yet. I'm not the chairperson <laughs> yet. And I think, I think one of the reasons why people have imposter syndrome is that we all have a self-image. So if you want to achieve any goal or, or achieve, achieve something, you need a few things. You need, you need the right environment. You need the right behaviours. You need adequate skills and knowledge to be able to carry out the task. And they're the things that people focus on. But I think the things that really undo us or when we start to experience imposter syndrome is when you have your values and your, your maybe your beliefs start to get in the way. But by far and away, the deepest, most personal level is identity level. And um, when something, we, we all have this self-image of who we are. And if we are given a label or a title or something which doesn't quite match up to the way we perceive ourselves, I think that's when we start to feel uncomfortable and that's when that fear starts to set in. So I was I was thrust into that sooner than I expected and I didn't feel ready to take on that role or that identity yet. And I think that's part, probably the same if you're self-employed as well, you know, like you probably have an idea of what a self-employed person is or a business owner is. Yeah, and even within that as well. So, you know, yeah, I would have had an idea of what a website designer or web developer yeah. is and that is, yeah, somebody who, you know, who, who can do customized bespoke coded websites even though the literal reason I started my business was because I knew that there was a demand for people who didn't want bespoke custom coded websites which makes it even more crazy that I was so worried about it yeah I think it was a cycle of fear as well so I think when I first started coaching people my own clients it was like oh I'm really scared that I'm not going to be help be able to help someone um, therefore um, I will back off and I won't coach anybody and therefore I won't have to fail at helping people 
but the whole reason why I set it up was to help people. So <laughs> the way I decided I was going to successfully help people was not coaching anybody so I couldn't fail. And then, <laughs> it, like, it doesn't make any sense. So I think that kind of fear of failure, I think sometimes fear of success has a big role as well. Like, what if you're success? What if you wear that title mm. and really embrace your that new role or being a freelancer or being a business owner? What if you're really successful? I think that probably scares people quite a bit as well. What do you think scares them about the idea of success? I think people having expectations and your ability to deliver. It's like, oh, what if I really do this and I smash it? And then I have to keep doing that. Yeah, what else will people want? People want even more (laughs) of it. Okay, so again, setting the bar low, coming back to what you were saying earlier. Definitely. So I think the imposter syndrome, there's a lot of self-esteem, there's a lot of fear, um, whether it's of rejection, of failure, of success, or whatever, whatever, what it is you're fearful. I think it's a lot of fearful behaviour. Although you said you thought it was different to being fearful. Yeah, I think for me, it's fear is definitely part of imposter syndrome and a big contributing factor to it. But I think you can probably be fearful of something, but just do it anyway without imposter syndrome you know, being there. I think imposter syndrome is so kind of firmly rooted in how you act it's almost it's kind of a a manifestation of fear but it's not the only way that fear manifests itself i suppose is what i'd say um so i yes i think for me it's about how so the stuff that i'm afraid of but it's not necessarily that i'm afraid that i can't do it it's not necessarily an imposter syndrome it's the stuff i'm afraid of but i'll do it even though i'm scared of it whereas i think with imposter syndrome that somehow seems harder to overcome you know it's harder to say even though I feel like a fraud, I'm going to do it anyway. Because actually what, it's more about changing that underlying mindset, I suppose, that and belief, stopping yeah. seeing yourself as a fraud is what needs to happen rather than overcoming a fear yeah. in a way. So how did you how did you do it when you first set up with a web developer thing? How did you So I so, Yeah, like I say, for about a year, I was, you know, constantly worrying that every email was going to unmask me. And who did you think you were going to be unmasked by? Because this is what I can't I, put my finger on. I thought I thought clients would ask me, "Oh, can you do this customized code thing?" And I would then have to say, "Oh, no, I can't do that." And then they'd say, "Oh, well, you've misled us entirely, and we don't want to work with you anymore." And then the project would be cancelled, and then they'd have no money because they'd have said to all their friends how terrible I was. And then I'd not be able to pay the mortgage and I'd end up on the streets and it would all be terrible. <laughs> and of course, that was that would never actually happen. And I think, you know, that's something you've said, Michelle, about we have a tendency to... Catastrophize. Yeah. I said that word crazy. You said it, yay! <laughs> um, catastrophize everything. Um, but for me, what, what helped me to get through it was actually the realisation that the things that I was worrying about were actually my selling points. So I was worrying about the fact that I didn't do custom-coded stuff. Um, and I can remember the client it was with as well. And I just suddenly just, I just talked by talking to them. I just suddenly realized that's not what they want. And there was a reason why nobody had actually ever asked me that before was actually the, the reason a lot of people like working with me is because I don't have a formal web development background. So I don't talk with loads of jargon. I, you know, talk really plainly. I work with a lot of charities, so they really appreciate the fact that I've got a background in the third sector, as opposed to web developers. And a good web developer or designer can understand what you need and deliver it, but some web developers, because they don't understand the industry, struggle to then actually get a site that really works. Whereas I was able to kind of offer them things that they hadn't even thought to ask for. 
you know, say, oh, by the way, there's this feature that if you take advantage of that, it can help you to provide evidence to your funders. And most people, because they didn't know the sector, wouldn't have even thought to offer that. And so I just realised that actually what people wanted was something that was really straightforward and easy to use. So I switched from saying, or from thinking, I can't do custom coded things to saying, and I don't do custom coded things. And actually I would use that as one of my lead selling points when talking to clients and say, and I don't do custom coding because I want to give you something that you can manage yourself and update yourself. And the more customizations there are, the harder it is for you to update it yourself. And I don't have an experience in web development. My experience is in, you know, up until kind of you know, my freelancing career. Um, my experience is in third sector and charities, which means I'm really ideally placed to understand you. And I've worked in small businesses, which means I get my freelance clients and my small business clients. And I think that was the re revelation really that, that kind of switched it around for me to say, oh, okay, actually it's not, e it's not even a failing, it's an asset. And that, that was what it was for me. So your perceived flaw became your, your strength. Absolutely, really yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, really good that's it i think that's a really good way to i think that's the thing though isn't it when when you're feeling like a fraud you tend to focus on your flaws i think we talk about catastrophizing there you go i said it again but <laughs> you also focus on what you can't do or what your perceived weaknesses are and i think that's probably what's causing a lot of the problem because we are feeling a little bit fearful and a little bit our self-esteem is maybe taking yeah. a bit of a knock so i think one of the things we can do to overcome imposter syndrome uh, is to focus on what you can do and focus on what's good about you as opposed to what you can't do. So like you were saying with your perceived flaw, flaw being a strength. And one of the best bits of advice I got about um, about this when you're having days when you doubt yourself. And I don't think it's like a lot of people have it at the start. But then there are days when it just comes up. Yeah, or just if there's something that's a new thing to you. A new task, a new, a new relationship, yeah, a new like, size contract. Yeah, or just you know trying a side project or something where it's an area that you almost back back to square one and back to basics for then it yeah it, it's it can always pop up it will always pop up and I, well, the one of the good pieces of advice i had was keep a spreadsheet or a document with positive feedback about yourself on and it is a discipline but i have started doing this and so whenever i got feedback either in an email or if someone just say, made a nice comment i would just type i type it into this spreadsheet i make a note who said it when they said it um, I made I make a note of whether I'm allowed to use it for promotional purposes yeah. or not, uh, whether they're happy for me to do it. But even if they don't give me permission or I don't ask, they just make a nice comment. I do keep it, and every so often I do go back in and read it, and it really does remind you of of all the good things that you did, the, and more importantly, the impact you've had on people and, and their lives or their businesses, and that's that is a real boost. And then then you have evidence. Then you can't yeah. feel like a fraud because it is on paper. And it's not just you saying it, other people yeah. saying it. They're not liars. <laughs> and I guess that's one of the questions to, to ask is, you know, how many times do you have to do something successfully before in your head you stop being an imposter? If you've done it three times, are you then okay to stop being an imposter? And that, and I think it's that realising, okay, well, you could say that you'd never feel like you're doing it. You know, someone that's been established for 20 years could still feel like an imposter. If you, if you, there's no, it's not, there's no rule about it. It's about, you taking ownership of that feeling isn't it oh absolutely i think you need to if you're gonna if i was in a coaching session we'd probably do quite a bit of work about why won't you let yourself feel confident doing that label what emotion is coming up what what fear is coming up and that's the big question i'd ask why why you know what's stopping you what what's the what, another way to look at it is what's the benefit of holding on to that fear or holding on to that feeling 
because it's a great excuse if we're feeling a bit nervous to not do anything you know I'm not ready yet you know when I've got a qualification then I'll be good enough for so actually what you think is potentially you know, potentially what you might think is a sensible business decision could actually be something that's holding you back because of that fear or because of that imposter yeah. syndrome. Be honest whether or not you're hiding or whether you really do need more yeah. experience or qualifications. But I think definitely shifting your focus onto what you can do, keeping yeah, keeping testimonials, keeping feedback. That's such a good idea. I it's need such to start a good, doing that. So it really <laughs> does give you a boost, you know, not in a narcissistic way. It's just quite yeah, nice. Yeah, that nice warm fuzzy feels. Yeah. And, yeah i think the thing is imposter syndrome is is a belief and whenever you want to um i was reading something yesterday about um difference between ideas and beliefs or um beliefs are basically made up with certain things that kind of prop them up you look for evidence to support your beliefs and actually it is just a belief so if you believe that you're a fraud or you feel like a fraud you'll start to focus on the things that prove you right it's confirmation bias yeah equally though if you look for evidence that proves that belief wrong and whenever you start to question something enough you'll begin to doubt it so if you start to really focus and look for evidence that that belief that you're a fraud is wrong the more you do that the more you'll start to doubt that you're a fraud and the more you'll start to feel comfortable in the role that you're in and it's just yeah you kind of notice it more don't you yeah like like, like that you know if you if you've just bought a red car all of a sudden you see that every car on the road is a red car and you think how did i not know that all the other cars are red before but that's because you've got you've kind of attuned yourself it. to that yeah and is that the same then with your identity and your, your yeah your beliefs absolutely just, yeah. yeah if you look if you start to think about you know believe in yourself then absolutely if you look for evidence to prove that belief right the stronger it will be so there is a certain element of choice about what you focus on as a friend of mine says where focus goes energy flows and that's absolutely absolutely true as well i think there's something there about separating fact from fiction as well because some people go oh but i'm really not very good at this and that's just an opinion it's not necessarily a fact so i think getting getting that feeling into perspective and i think that's maybe where talking to other people can help if you get that that you know you will think oh my god i'm a failure or what if people unmask me I think sometimes if you talk to other people, other people will ask you questions and you'll get different perspectives and you'll realise that it's not such a big a deal yeah. as you thought. And I guess there's ways that, you know, if, you, if you're if you still feeling a bit nervous to kind of go, go out there and share something with everybody, there's still ways you can actually start to kind of go out into the world and start getting feedback and, and opinions about something. And, and I think, you know, yes, there are awful people in the world, but most people are, especially freelance community, I think, they want to help and they're really nice and you know there's facebook groups like freelance heroes and stuff where people put something where they're not sure and everyone will kind of go oh no that's great that's great or they'll just be really honest and say i can see some potential and here's where you need to improve um but i guess if, if you do have somebody that then gives you some slightly less good feedback that can really knock your confidence as well it can yeah definitely and i think that's we need to focus on get a bit of a balance make sure you're not focusing you need on your spreadsheet with all the nice things that's what you need yeah. Well. yeah i think there's something about you know when are you the expert as well because i think sometimes you feel like you're a fraud because you don't know everything mm. but you don't need to know everything and so when when are you the expert and the answer is really when you can answer the questions to the customer satisfaction so if you want to switch careers and maybe you want to become a social media marketer or social media manager um, you might not know all the algorithms for Twitter and Facebook and how to do it on a corporate level but if all your customer wants is 10 posts a week and you're yeah. perfectly capable of doing 10 quality posts a week then you're not a fraud you're selling the customer what they want and just like your customers who didn't want code they didn't care they don't yeah. care about code they just want you to deliver yeah 
And if they want somebody that can do the strategy and the in-depth algorithms, then there are other people out there. And that's something you can learn as you go along as well. Because I think a lot of people maybe who are, if there's anyone listening who's maybe thinking about going freelance, but doesn't feel ready, a bit like you when you were saying the, the, the job that you got, that you had to start three months early and you were like, no, 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 I'm not ready yet. You know, this is, you know, a lot of freelancers experience it, but I think it might be something that prevents people from going freelance because they feel like, oh, I've not, I'm not ready yet. I've not got yeah. the qualifications yet, or I don't know everything yet. And actually, like you said, there are ways to, to say, okay, what's the, what's the kind of baseline of knowledge I've got and how can I make that into a service or a product and actually share that with people yeah. and get started. So, I mean, for me, I actually did end up learning a little bit of um, kind of code or, or just, you know, mainly to make kind of design changes, um, like fonts and colors and stuff beyond what Squarespace would let you do. Um, but the way I actually ended up doing that was I found a client um, who'd put a job up saying that she was looking for something. She didn't have a huge budget. So I actually said to her, look, this is something I'm interested in learning. You're probably going to struggle to find somebody that can help you for that really small budget. But if you're happy to pay me that amount, then I can use that experience to learn. And I was just really open about it. And But I was like, I, you know, it was a really small, specific thing. And I thought I could figure it out. So actually, you don't even need to it's unusual I know to sort of be that open with a client but some clients will appreciate the fact that you're being honest with them and I think you know we, we were talking earlier about um, a case I had recently where um, so as as well as my website business I've got a, a business with my partner making apps and software where he does all of the coding and stuff um, and I was negotiating a, a contract with a client and actually one of the selling points for us was the fact that we were so new and starting out that we didn't have any other clients to distract us and we would be so focused on her and we'd be so keen to do so a really good please. job because we're not you know we weren't we hadn't been in business for 20 years and we hadn't got complacent and so actually i think there's ways to make even a lack of experience into a real positive thing yeah definitely i think you can i think there's a way of again it's what you focus on isn't it which i think is is really key and i think you mentioned there are people who are going to go freelance and think i'm not ready yet and i think the danger is that people will wait until they feel comfortable before they start to act or sell their products and services and i was telling you the story you know madonna you know arriving in new york with five dollars in her pocket and the shirt on her back and um and she was just knocking on doors, singing in dingy clubs until she got a, eventually got a record deal. And that whole question I asked people, when did Madonna have, when did Madonna feel comfortable calling herself a singer or a superstar? And it was it when she got that first recording contract? And I said, yes, no, it's probably when she made her way to New York. She hadn't even been paid to sing yet, but in her head, she, she was, was she was singer. Definitely. Same with footballers, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, he was a footballer from his teens, you know, even before he got his first professional contract. So if you are feeling like a bit of a fraud, I think another really good way to overcome it is to not let that hold you back if you can, is to just get it in perspective, kind of make sure you know your stuff, make you make sure you're setting expectations, but at some point you've got to make that leap. Because the problem is that if you don't put yourself out there and sell your products and services, you'll never have any happy customers. If you never have any happy customers, you've never got any evidence you can do it. And if you never have evidence you can do it, you're gonna feel like you can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't feel like a fraud. So it's this perpetual cycle, but it works the other way. The minute you make the leap and like have your, you know, really put yourself out there, you deliver. Okay, you might be room for improvement, but you'll do a good job. 
but then you've got evidence that you've delivered and therefore that supports this belief that you're actually doing a fantastic job and you are qualified <laughs> you not, can do it you're not a fake you are absolutely <laughs> sincere so there is no substitute for just gritting your teeth and just jumping in and that, in reality that's what most freelancers and self-employed people definitely do. and i think it was really interesting that you said about managing expectations there because actually what what is it you know what do people you know say, say you're hiring somebody to do to do work for you what is it that makes that a good or a bad experience a lot of the time it's actually around do they match up with your expectations have they delivered when they said they would on time and on budget and actually if you manage the expectations not to sell yourself too short but if you just you know if, if you say yeah this is something i can i can do and then you do it you don't have to sell yourself as like the going back to your social media example you don't have to sell yourself as an expert in all the social platforms and all their algorithms you can just say yeah i can offer 10 posts a day on twitter and if you deliver that then you've got a great service and testimonial that can help to boost your confidence yeah you don't have to over deliver either yeah it's <laughs> kind of this need to prove yourself will make you give a lot of time and energy yeah for not a lot of money as well i think that once you've delivered something i think it's really important to remember it's a bit of a cliche but one mistake does not make you a fake yeah that's so important it can be because you can feel like oh see i told I you so it's that confirmation bias you mentioned again yeah and like yeah and you know i know tons of freelancers who've had that they've, they've kind of almost been ready to pack it all in because they've had one bad client out of 50 good clients where they maybe wasn't the right fit for them and that was why the project didn't work you know there's so many reasons why it might not have worked that isn't even necessarily in your control i've had that before where i've had a couple of clients where it, i feel like i didn't do the project as well as I wanted to because it just wasn't a good fit for me yeah and and that you know that's a lesson that you learn and then you don't do that again and you make sure that you take on the projects that are a good fit for you but I think it can really kind of set you back so it's about making sure that you can pick yourself up again after that yeah. and and you know don't don't overanalyze that I'd say yeah definitely even the best people screw up sometimes yeah so allow yourself to do that which is, and I think I think another reason why people suffer from imposter syndrome I think it's comparison so we have this idea in our head about I don't know what a business owner is like and we're probably thinking about people who are raking it in who have got loads of a massive client base who have got a massive social media following and we have this idea that that's a business owner but when you start out you're never going to be in in that position or not just when you start out you can have imposter syndrome when you raise your game yeah so if you want to start playing at a different level you're like well I can do this um, like people who sell stuff for like a certain amount of money if you then start uh, ask them to sell higher valued products they might start to get a bit of imposter syndrome and again don't don't the comparisons don't help and there yeah. is only one you as you say so um i think ditching the comparisons to other people they've been at this 10 20 years yeah you're not going to be the same as them and you've got the you know the kind of glamorous blonde bloggers saying how they got their six-figure income and to share their one simple tip you have to contribute to their six-figure income and yeah. <laughs> but they're you know a if they're even real in the first place they're a minority and actually a lot of freelancers you know i mean money is a whole other episode that we're going to talk about but for a lot of freelancers i think they're not necessarily doing it because they can make a ton of money most people have decided to go freelance because they were unhappy with their kind of employment jobs a lot of people you know from a corporate world or mums who found that it just they've kind of got a new perspective after having kids or that their previous job just didn't work with their childcare commitments. A lot of the time it's a lifestyle choice. It's a, you know they've chosen to go freelance because they either think that they can make a difference or that they can have a better 
work-life balance or a better life that that kind of works for them and I think it's really important to not lose sight of that and you you always talk about your your why yeah so like having a why why are you doing something what's the motivation but I think that can help with imposter syndrome too if you're falling into the comparison trap to say like okay they're doing that but are they working all the hours and I'm never seeing their families and not taking any not taking any holiday like for like yeah Yeah. and actually do you want to be like that and so yeah you know if that's if that's not what drove you to be freelance in the first place then it's not healthy to compare yourself to other people because it's not an accurate comparison no definitely so yeah don't don't make things worse by comparing yourself to people who yeah who possibly have different values to you that doesn't help at all so kate there's a few things we've 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 covered off there we've talked about you know focusing shifting your focus to what you can do separating facts from fiction we've talked about you know not comparing or you know mistake doesn't make you fake or you know allowing yourself to wear these different labels and feeling comfortable with it i mean it was quite a lot there if you were to maybe take away one thing or give someone one piece of advice based on what we discussed today what would you make that one takeaway i think you just had to whittle it down to one thing based i mean based largely on my own personal experience as well i'd probably say look at where you're selling yourself short and see if you can flip that to make it an asset so like i said before for me it was i was i can't do code which i flipped today i don't do code i don't have a background in web development and that's a good thing and this is why if you're just starting out at something you're not jaded you've not been in the corporate world for 20 you know as a freelancer you've not been doing it for 20 years and you're jaded and and what have you if you don't have any experience then you've got an opportunity to be new and innovative so that there's lots of ways where you can where you could say that your lack of experience your perceived lack of experience could be an asset so i'd say yeah try and flip it around and just maybe ask some other people if you if you've had clients before you know just kind of following on from that if you're not sure what that thing is ask your clients what they've liked about working with you and they might give you some ideas too yeah so make your weakness your, your selling point. exactly yeah cool. yeah and what about you michelle what i think mine would be i i've been a bit of a cop out here ideally it would be i think just do a bit of reflection and work out what your what what you benefit from by some kind of hanging on to the fear of putting yourself out there i'd say try and do some deep reflection on why you won't let yourself wear that label that's quite hard to do sometimes on your own so if all else fails then I would say keep that happy feedback spreadsheet. Just I love that, yeah. I'm just keep that list that. of stuff, the reasons why you're awesome and focus on the reasons why you're awesome. If you do nothing else, take that one away and I think you're going to be feeling like a hundred times better. Amazing. Well, I think we've kind of covered a lot of imposter syndrome now and we've got a list of lots of other freelance problems that we're going to be tackling. So we've got 98 left. And if you want to catch future episodes, then subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to suggest any problems that you'd like us to discuss, then do get in touch with us. Use the hashtag FreelanceSOS and we will be looking through those comments on social media to see if there's anything that we need to kind of add into our list of problems. And if you want to follow Michelle, she is at divedeepdivp on Twitter so that's D-E-V-P at the end short for development I never envisioned I would have to say that (laughs) and I'm at the wheel exists so the wheel exists as in don't reinvent it on all the socials as well brilliant so thanks everybody for listening if you're still with us let us know what you think but we're going to say goodbye for now so there you go you may have 98 problems but a boss ain't one